Yeah. <laughs> Mac, is, Mac is such an encourager. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, just, when I, just when I met him, or just at the beginning, he used to always greet me. He's like, hello, God's anointed one. And he gives you like this big bear hug. Um, and even if you have a bad day, you would, you would think like, yo, I am God's anointed one. You're like, oh, thanks. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a gift to make you feel even in bad days like that. But, um, yeah. So it's, let me, let me quickly pray just to, just to settle our hearts and, and yeah. Yeah, Lord, you, Father, you are a friend. Um, you're a comforter, you... Yeah, you're so much more than we make you up to be. And I pray that you give us the right perspective of you. Um, so we, yeah, we not run from you, but we run towards you, God. Yeah, Lord, I pray for open hearts tonight and yeah, open minds, God, that we really, really run towards you. Amen. Yeah, so I'm actually very excited in my heart. Like, I've like this bunch of faith inside of me. Um, you guys don't know what I'm going to like speak about, what I felt the Lord, the Lord say. Um, but uh, it's just, it's so cool. And I think we really take it for granted how, how God speaks within us and in our, in our congregation, in our midst. So just with the words and the prayer meeting and the whole, the whole week's line leading up to this, God has been speaking and shaping things in our hearts. And, and it's just so, we take it for granted. We're like, oh, yeah, God is speaking. But it's like, it's God is speaking. Like, God is speaking. And, and it's something that, how does the words line up with what I felt preaching about a week and a half ago, what Nick felt worshiping about, what Mac felt? We really have to start, like, taking that and, like, God is speaking. And so I just, tonight I feel like the word, I just feel to share is I, I really believe it's something God is speaking to us. And, and just with that, you might... I'm, I'm going to share about the reason for and the attitude we have to have in suffering. So it's not, it's not a word, I wish I had a word like, yo, like a, um, God loves you a ton, um, but <laughs> hopefully this word gets you to the love of God. But, but just, that's just what I felt to share, and I do feel that even if you're not in suffering right now, it, it's going to come. <laughs> that, that's Christianity. <laughs> Um, and, so, and so I really believe that we, we prep ourselves in times of peace for times of war. And, and something for this church, and we are the same generation, so I believe there's something that we have to learn in suffering. Because I don't know if you guys have looked around, but the world is ramping up the anti-Christian agenda. And if we don't start defeating the little nunus now, one day it's going to be very difficult. So it's something, something we just need to grasp and, and wrestle with. Um, yeah, so just I would, I would like to start is just by saying, by this scripture. I feel this scripture really summarizes the, 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 the message I have. And, and can you put it up to Timothy 2 verse 4? Yeah. So Paul writes to, to Timothy, um, his son in the faith, he calls him. And he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Um, and I, I do believe that Paul has this, this thing that he tells Timothy. Listen, you should not get sidetracked. Because the world is designed to sidetrack you. And so no soldier that's in the midst of a war, let's say in the midst of World War I, no one in the midst of World War I looks what the sports scores are. <laughs> They're like, oh shucks, there is an army before me, I need to go get that army. 
And that's all they care about because it's life or death. And who of you know that we are currently sitting in a war? We might seem like, oh, we're in peaceful. South Africa sometimes feels more like a war. Um, but we, we are in a war. The, the Bible says that we are in a war against the, the rulers and principalities of evil, which is the devil. And so this world is the kingdom of the devil. And everything this world says and everything this world does shapes the way we think. And you have to recognize that. We have to recognize that our default is that. Before we got saved, and even while we saved, we've been like shaped by the world to think certain things. And especially now, think certain things when presented with suffering. And that's, I'm just trying, feeling that tonight, that we realign the way we see this and the way we respond to this when you present it with hard times. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... I, I used to play hockey in high school, and yeah, got up. <laughs> so I used to play hockey in high school, and I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't that good under pressure. So I would, I would train in, in training. Yeah, I think they, they, they were like, okay, this guy's been trying hard enough for five years. We have to put him in the team. But, but, but I've been training for, like, you could train and train and train the situations. The ball could come. You're like, okay, I'm going to put it there. I'm going to put it there. Um, and then this one, I'll tell you a story. This one time, it was the last game of the year. Literally, you can't make this up. It seems like a movie, but last minute, last game, 1-1, I think it was 1-1, but it was equal, like this goal was big. And the ball was coming, and the ball was coming. And it was, if, you ever, if you've ever seen an open goal box, now this was it. <laughs> like, and the ball was coming, and this was my job. I'm a striker. I need to put these things in. It comes, and, and the ball goes. <laughs> and everyone's like, no, you can hear the whole of Balville, like the whole area, the whole town is like, oh. <laughs> And luckily, it was the last game, so they could have dropped me from the team. But, <laughs> but, but the, the thing is, like, I could train, but once I'm under pressure, training doesn't mean anything. And so that's what I'm just trying to, just trying to like, pinpoint here, that we, we need to recognize that we could think by ourselves. Okay, okay, I'm going to, when, when suffering comes or hard time comes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know what to do. And I'm going to sit there. I'm going to be like, okay, Dean, you're in suffering. A, B, C, this is what you should do. And so that's not how it works. We as people sometimes suck under pressure. <laughs> and we have, to, we have to recognize that and we have to be aware of that. And it means that in suffering and in those times, we have to recognize and be double as sensitive to the fact that we will shake and we will shift. Um, yeah. So... We, we have to see that our perspective is not in line with God's perspective, as I said. Our perspective has been shaped by the, world, the, world, the, the way the world tells us we have to do things. So, so there's a story in the Bible of, in 2 Chronicles 20. So you can start putting it up. But I just want to explain the story first. And the story is about this king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat. They have quite interesting names. I you could just call him Joe, <laughs> but Jehoshaphat. Um, and King Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel, and he was actually quite a good king. He really followed God, and all of a sudden, five nations. Now, this is, Judah is one nation. Now, five nations are coming, and we're going we're gonna to get you, man. Judah, we're coming for you. And, and, I mean, sometimes when I have a hard test, I feel like the whole world is coming down on me. Now, if five nations is coming down on you, then you, then you have reason to feel like, what's up? Um, and then in, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15 to 17, you see, you see God telling, um, telling them the following, just how to respond. And he says, 
and listen. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And the king Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. You can go on. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. I don't know where Ziz is, but uh, you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jural. I assume Jural is close to Ziz. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and O Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Um, yeah, I think that's it. And, and so it goes on. There's another chunk of scripture I'm not going to go into. And God further tells them, you know what? If I was a king and I haven't studied ancient war tactics, but I would think send out the strong guys first as a contingency plan. And I'm like, shut up, God. Uh, I, will, I, will, I will follow you and thank you for the victory. But... I'll send my good guys out first. (laughs) But then God goes further and tells them, no, 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 send out the Levites first. Now, the Levites was not a warrior tribe. The Levites was the priests, the worshippers. And so God tells them, go send out the worshippers to go meet these five armies. And and I just want to read that scripture. Um, Yeah, can you hold it there? And then uh, he had taken counsel with the people, and he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise Him in holy attire. As they went before the army and, and say, Give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come to, against Judah. So they were rooted, routed. For, for the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, and, the, uh, devoting, and devoting them to destruction. And when they had made, the end of the, made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all <laughs> helped to destroy one another. And the, the, just the thing of this story that I want to highlight is the contrast between human nature and the way God sees things. See, human nature is panic, and, and rightfully so. I would also panic. But we just see uh, God sees it. No, no, no. This victory, and he sees, he sees the entire picture. And it just, this, this is just on that, that we have to recognize that we react. Because this is all we see. All we see is what's happening around me. All I see is the next challenge, the next hill. But God sees eternity. God sees everything. God knew when you were born, and he knows when you're going to die. He knows what's going to happen in five minutes. He knows if I'm going to speak the next word wrong or something. That's just what God knows. And we have to know in humility that this is God. And why won't I, like, submit under that? Why won't I, when suffering comes, I'm like, God, I, I don't care what my reaction is going to be. I want your reaction. What do you want from me? <clears throat> You're with me. <laughs> I like it. So what does the world tell us when hard times come? Um, so I was, I was studying accounting this year, uh, post-grad in accounting, and some of you have done that, and some of you have heard about that. And, and <laughs> part, of, part of this whole degree is that it is renowned for being uh, basically a year-long course on failure. 
<laughs> just every time Matt, Matt is there and he's like, yeah, I can testify. And it's, it's, that's, the, that's the point of the course. It's just to overwhelm you. So uh, that's what I feel. That's probably not the point of the course. But I'm like, surely that's what they did. What other intention could there be? But it's just, and, and so at the beginning of the year, we did this personality test just with the course. I don't know why they did it. Probably to motivate them, but it was, did not motivate me. It was quite the opposite. And what they, what they did was they, they did a personality test, and mine came back, and he said, well, Dean should preferably not study finance and, <laughs> and should not spend long hours in, behind a desk. Um, so finance and behind a desk is all we do for, for nine months. So I was like, uh, Okay, cool, but you haven't seen my God. <laughs> I was like, oh. anyway, so, and it, and it came, and, and also my personality is, some of you might have known me and Keaton knew me when I was still very fresh in this whole Jesus thing, and, and my personality is that I get motivated when I achieve something. So when I'm presented with a course that constantly makes me feel like I fail, how do I motivate? And so the whole year, I was, I was like wrestling with this thing, like, what's, what's happening, what's happening? And, and just this is contrary to my nature. It's like a fish climbing a tree. It's like, uh. um, and then And then, right, like, recently in this week on Wednesday, I had, to, I, had to, sorry, I had to rewrite one of my modules. And so this is now I had, and this is your final chance. And I have to be honest, I don't think it went that well. So, so I'm, 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 I'm having to trust God now. My parents are, are, are nipping. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> oh, shucks, now we have to pay another year. Like, uh, <laughs> but we trust in God. Anyways, and, and we have to trust God, but that's a scary place. Because all I know is what's presented in front of me. All I know is that that test probably didn't go as well as I would have hoped. But, but I'm like, I can't rely on that. Because the world has told me, and what has the world told me throughout this year? The world has told me, listen, Dean, you are failing. You suck. Like, really? Like, what are, what are others going to think? What's the church going to think? Like, what, what about your perfect image? What about this picture you've built? Now, what, what, what will your parents think? What will your brother think? What, yeah, just like, and then also, and I, especially in worship, fail to say this thing. A lie that we do com- be confronted with in suffering, or confronted with in suffering, is, does God love you? But because how would a loving God give me this? Now, how would a loving God give me this? And, and all of you definitely have come to a place in your life where you're confronted with something and it seems like this is the biggest thing in the world. What, what are those guys doing? Like, they're not seeing this. This is bigger. What, what, why are you jumping up? Look at this thing that I'm confronted with. And then those lies come because we are defaulted to fall back on the way that the world has told us the insecurities, the lies, the hurts from parents, the hurts from friends at school, just our, our natural yuckiness that's a part of us. So we know that the world has taught us to see one thing. It has taught us to respond one thing, as one, in one way. But now, now what does God say about this? Because now we have our truth and then we have God's truth and, and we have to recognize that our truth does not line up so in humility, we have to say, what, does, what, does, what do I say? What does God say? And then I have to go like, I have to go, I have to step into God's truth. So what does God say? And, and you can put up 1 Peter, 6, 1, 1 Peter 1 verse 6 to 7. Um, 
and Peter, that's the name of the book. Peter uh, writes and he says, in this you rejoice. So he's writing to a church that is currently suffering persecution. And this isn't bad Facebook comments persecution. This is like, like you're being crucified. You're like being used as human torches. This is not like a stuff, like genuinely. And he's writing this, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the, that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we see two things that Peter actually highlights to us in that piece. First is the reason for suffering. And secondly, is our attitude in suffering. So the reason, uh, you can take it off, thanks. The reason for suffering so when Peter says rejoice, like, it's not natural to rejoice in suffering. It's not natural. Like, you, you can conjure up rejoicing, but it's not natural. We can make, we can make, we make peace with that, that when suffering comes, you're not going to feel rejoicing at the, at the start of it. And don't be hard on yourself. That's, we're just humans. We don't see the picture. So have grace, because God has grace. And, then, and so why should we rejoice? Because if we, if we know the reason for something, and the reason for suffering. If we understand God's reason behind it, then we will rejoice. David writes in Psalm 23, we all know that, um, or the majority of us know that, your rod and your staff comforts me. So this isn't like waving in the air, hey, come here. It's, it's like rod and staff, like it beats you, man. <laughs> it's like rod and staff. If you go off the way, it's like bang, rod and staff. Go off the way, bang, rod and staff. And David writes, that comforts him. Yeah, <laughs> and it's something we quote this, you know, rotten my staff, like you rotten your, your staff comforts me. But we have to realize that, why does he say that? This is an oak that understands something that I might not understand. So the first one that I, I believe is a reason for suffering is that God purifies us through suffering. And so um, you can... Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to skip, the, just for if people taking notes, you can um, just write down Romans 5, 3 to 5, and it just writes about, like, suffering giving us endurance, giving us hope. It, it builds us. But now, I just want to touch on that scripture, especially because I feel there's a weight on that scripture that, that Peter writes, that your faith is purified as gold. So what does, he, what does he mean about this? We've probably, a lot of us has done Bible studies on this, but I just want to go into that again. What does he mean about, like, your faith is going to be gold? So I don't know how many of you have watched Discovery Channel's Gold Rush. Um, it's, uh, sometimes you watch it, but they repeat it the whole time, so it gets boring. But when, you, when, when gold comes out of the ground, it's like as much dirt as it's gold. You can hardly see gold, and the, the gold miners, the, the eye has been trained to that. So they pick it up, and they're like, gold, and everyone's rejoicing, and I'm looking like, dirt. <laughs> That's not gold. And so, and so there's this process that has to happen that when you put gold on an immense amount of heat, it becomes like a liquid. And then you can sift and, and, and take the dirt and the rocks that over years has formed into it out and you can make, you can take gold out of it and beautiful gold and you can mold it. And the same thing, God molds us under pressure. As when God looks at you, he doesn't see dirt. The world sees dirt, but God sees, I'm going to make something out of that. 
And you have to recognize that God's perspective in suffering is, I'm going to make something out of you because of this. And so it's not, it's not like, oh God, you punished me. It's not God is seeing the end. He knows why he's going through this. And so God's the ultimate, ultimate goldsmith. And just in this, this year and just throughout my life, every time I've been presented with something that's, that's hurting, after that, something breaks out. Something I, I, I would have wondered, how, does, how, how can I ever deal with this sin or this thing? And then suffering comes. And afterwards, I'm looking back. I'm like, what? You'll be amazed how quickly pride goes when you, all you know is failure. Um, so it's, it really is such a, a place of grace. Suffering is grace. We have to understand that. Because God doesn't deal it. And, and Peter also writes that rejoice in your suffering because the son is disciplined. If you are suffering out of the hand of God, you know that it's grace. And then, yeah, the second reason for suffering is suffering pulls us closer to God. Suffering equals intimacy. If, if done right. Because suffering can also, if we not have the right heart attitude, chase us away from God. But that, is, that just shows grace. I'm just going on a tangent here, but that shows grace. That God is willing to present you with suffering because he wants to see the end product more than he wants just you staying at this state. So sometimes he's even willing to risk you to see where you're going. That's grace. And when we see that, when we see grace in this, how can we not rejoice? We can acknowledge, yeah, it sucks, but how can we not rejoice? So when I was spending time with God, June, July, just I had a quick break in the year, and I was spending time with him, and I just realized something was different. It seems like our relationship was deeper. I don't know if some of you have experienced that, but it seems like you've been a friend, and now you're like a, a, a chummy, like a buddy. You know, he's like, and, and I was like, yo, God, what's happening? And I just stopped, and I was like, something is different. And the Holy Spirit came and gave me the, the following analogy, and he told me just the analogy of, of guys going to war together. Or, or, I don't know, Nathan, you played rugby. If you go to a rugby camp together and you suffer together in the heat and, and all the fitness drills and stuff, after that, there's something between them. There's something between them because they're like, you know what I went through. They don't know. You know. And suffering does that. Suffering, when, when we present with suffering and we have nothing left, the only person that could ever relate is God because he's the only one with you, only one that really, really knows but only if you push in to him. And so just to further share on, on, on my journey with this is at one point um, in the year, I, twice actually, I, I was on the floor in fetal position, like crying and like crying out to God. And I think some of you have been in this place that God, what more? What, like I've been, I was like, God, what more do you want from me? There's nothing more I can give. I was like, God, what more, what more, what more? And then God comes by the Holy Spirit like a, like a whisper, but with the force of a tsunami, like with one word. Like it's this, it's this way he speaks to you, that you just, you, you have this months long, and you've been at the end of yourself for weeks, and you have this months long of, of questions and things, and just one word, bah, he ruins all your questions. <laughs> and you're like, I was, I was a sucker. Look at this. And then he comes and he tells you, I love you. You are worth it. 
you are loved. You're not failing. And, and in this year, I've, I've really been, at times, been, I feel a bit unfaithful because I'm hard on myself. And then God comes, no, 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 stop. <laughs> Your faithfulness is not going to change whether I'm faithful. And he comes, something like that. And he just comes and he speaks to you. And when you're at the point of yourself where there's nothing left, there's nothing, because when there's something left, there's something you still hold on to. Then that goes and that goes and that goes and then you have nothing. You're standing there and the only thing you can hold on to is God because he's standing there in suffering. He's like, come. You see, there's something in suffering that we have to recognize that it draws us closer. And that's grace. That's grace. Because he, he puts you through it and once the, the Lord gave me a picture of it was a tree, and he had to cut out the roots because the roots were filthy and the roots were, were broken. He had cut it out the roots, but just as he's cutting out the roots, he's hurting him as well. He doesn't enjoy seeing you go through it, but he knows. He knows the gold. He knows the necklace. He knows the ring that's going to make that gold happy. It's going to make Jesus happy with his bride. And, and to him, it's worth it. Everyone still is full, full. It feels heavy. <laughs> okay, cool. Everyone's with me. So vulnerability draws us closer to God. And the only place where you'll truly be vulnerable is when everything else has turned against you. Yeah, okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. So just to summarize this, two, two main reasons, there's a lot of reasons, but two main reasons I felt this year that God presents us with suffering. Firstly, character. Secondly, intimacy. Okay? And, and just on the just I just want to reiterate, you have also have to reciprocate, reciprocate the pulling of God. God pulls, you have to respond. <laughs> I can call Mika all I want. If she ignores me, that she's not going to come. <laughs> I can tug on her and go like, Mika, come, Mika, come. And she's like, lost me, lost me. So we have to reciprocate, okay? We have to, we have to respond. And in suffering, go to God. When you have nothing left, I promise you, it's going to feel, God is there, but it's going to feel like a drop of water. But afterwards, you're looking back and like, yo, that drop sustained me. When, the, when you're in the desert, a drop seems like a whole ocean of water. <laughs> So he does sustain you. See, I'm just going to end with this thing. Just rejoice. So Paul, Paul is arguably one of the Christians that I feel have, has known some of the most about suffering. He writes in one place, and he actually writes, he's not trying to show off, but it's, it's like a subtle flex. And he's like, I, 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 I was shipwrecked twice. I mean... <laughs> my car has probably been stuck twice um, and he's been shipwrecked twice he's been beaten multiple times he's been stoned the one time he's been stoned and he le- like was lying outside of the city gates they left him because he thought he was dead he jumped up and he ran back in and <laughs> this, this occurs a capacity for suffering but then he writes this and he writes in Philippians he writes this out of a Roman jail now this isn't a cushy jail this is, this is like serious stuff and he writes Philippians to the church of Philippi out of the Philippian, out of the Roman jail. And, and Philippians is actually, I, I read this in preparation, one of the most joyful books in the Bible. So out of, um, I just want to get this right, 104 verses, 16 times he writes, rejoice, joy. 
Oh, he's in the prison. <laughs> joy, joy, joy. And he's in the prison. Joy. And so in Philippians 3 verse 8, he writes this. You can put that on. Oh, oh wow. Um, yeah. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain. And so when we recognize, just as David, there's a, there's a scripture, I'm not going to go into it, but David, um, if you want to take notes, just I'm going to end with this, but if you want to take in Psalm 27, verse 3 to 5, and go read that, but read that as three, verse 3 and verse 5. And it says, he says, though an army comes against me, I will not fear. Why? Because God is my rock. And that's what we, we fridge magnet that. We're like, God is my rock, I won't feel. That's true. And then the next verse is like, I search for the house of God. And we're like, fridge magnet, I search for the house of God. So when I'm a good time, search for the house of the God, bad time, will not fear. But David wrote that as a continuation. He says, though armies rise up against me, I search for the house of God. And David recognized something. David recognized that my liberator, and Paul recognized this, and Peter recognized this, the guy who was crucified upside down, and, and all these oaks recognized this, and all the people that has laid the foundations for our generation to be where we are. Young people just coming to faith. The story Mac told about the guys on the, on the lake, like willing to give their life to God. What they recognized was, though my, my joy is not in liberation, my joy is in Jesus. And that's what Paul writes, I count all as lost because of Jesus. And so that's my encouragement. See the reason for suffering and rejoice. See Jesus and rejoice. Because if you pull close to him and see his face, you'll rejoice. And so you have to realign that because it will come. Suffering, suffering will come. And so we have to really realign the way we see it.